Welcome to Connections, the podcast. This is where we sit down with some of our friends and talk about how God wants to use us to lead the women in our community to be better mothers, wives, and children of God. I am Kelly Jordan, your host for today, and I am excited to chat with our guest, Jeannie Blackmere. Jeannie is an author and a mop staffer who lives in Boulder, Colorado. She has been writing professionally for more than 30 years. Things like books, magazine articles, grants, ad copy, blogs, journals, every kind of writing. Uh, Jeannie is also the communication specialist for development for Mops International, and we're going to ask her to tell us a little bit about that. But first, Jeannie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kelly. I'm excited to be with you today. Well, I am glad to talk with you a little bit. And um, I was reading a little bit on your website, and it said that you love chocolate, yes. probably too much, that yep. you love scuba diving, yes, beekeeping, Yes. Beekeeping. Do you I actually do. have bees? I do. I have two hives right now. Nice. When yep. I first read that, I thought it said bookkeeping, and I went, really? <laughs> then no. I went, okay, beekeeping. All right. <laughs> well, and then you also really love reading, of course, and that you love being outside as much as possible. So can you tell us a little bit more about you and um, also about what you do at MOPS? Sure. I live in Boulder, Colorado. I'm married to Zane. We have been married 37 years and we have three adult sons, which we kind of had a wild and crazy life raising boys. <laughs> and, but I love them, you know, of course. And now as adults, it's such a special relationship to have that right. adult children. That's right. Just, I love it so much. And um, didn't you have one that just got married? Did you have one that yes, got married this year just, recently? Yeah, just had a wedding. So that was exciting. So now I have a daughter-in-law, which is very fun for me. It's a whole Starting new face. It's great. Yes. Bringing some girl girl energy into the family. Oh, I'll bet. That is so, nice for you. So I have been writing for, like you said, 30 plus years and went to see you and got my degree in journalism and then started freelance writing. And in 2008, I worked for Mops as the publishing manager. So I managed the book publishing for Mops for about five years. And I loved that job. It was fantastic. And I loved Mops ministry mm -hmm. and the people and the books. It was just such, it was like the ideal job for me. And right. also being around a lot of women, which I didn't get at home. So <laughs> I loved that job. And then my boys became teenagers and they did get a little bit wild. And I felt like I needed to be a little closer to home because I would drive to Denver, which is, you know, a good hour drive. Mm -hmm. um, and then recently I was asked to come back and write a little bit for MOPS for the development team. So I'm writing now to women in my same stage of life of being alumni mentors and donors. So mm -hmm. that's felt so rewarding and such a great fit. So I'm loving it and being back. Well, and the development team at MOPS, that is our team that helps um, develop the entire organization through fundraising and, and awareness, that kind of thing. Is that a good way to describe it, you think? Yes, that's, that is really the fundraising team for MOPS International. And I'm so fortunate because I get to write stories, which is my favorite thing to do, to interview people and hear their stories. And I'm overwhelmed by the stories that I hear at MOPS from, right. you know, women in the United States to around the world. And 
I just get to hear those stories and write about them and the impact MOPS is having is so incredible. I mean, God is using MOPS in so, so many ways. And I, I'm so fortunate because I get to hear the stories and sometimes they're hard. You get to, you know, mm -hmm. they're hard stories, but we, we're seeing transformation in women's lives worldwide. Right. Well, I am I am so glad that your team gathers those stories and then shares them with the rest of us. Now, as, as I mentioned before, you write all kinds of things, but I have heard you say that your favorite kind of writing is storytelling. So today we're going to ask you to tell us a story, but this one is a story about you. It's your own story about a specific event in your life that shaped you and changed you. So can you tell us about what happened around December 30th of 21? So tell us a little bit about your story. That's a day that will forever be impacted in my heart and mind. On December 30th in 2021, there was a major wildfire that swept through Boulder County and destroyed over a thousand homes, completely destroyed. And we were one of the first homes to be impacted by the fire. My husband and I were at home. We'd been in this house for two years and it kind of sits on top of a mesa. So we have views of like the mountains and the foothills from our home. And we were home because we had COVID and thankfully oh, we were home. I didn't realize that. Yeah. <laughs> so that was another little part of the story. Thankfully we were home because we got our dog out, which uh, so many people even lost their pets. And so we were thankful that we were home at this time. And we were getting a, Zane was getting a vitamin infusion because he didn't feel very well. So we had these two guys at our house that are like paramedics that give you just an infusion of vitamins to build your immune system. Mm -hmm. And when they drove up, they saw some sparks and some, it was super windy that day. I, the wind was incredible. It was up to like 115 mile per hour winds, which was wow. insane. So they had showed up and had seen some sparks and a little bit of stuff happening down below, but we thought, oh, we'll be fine, you know, and about 10 or 15 minutes later, I was downstairs because I was staying away from them because they were, you know, treating us with COVID. Mm -hmm. And so I was downstairs sorting our Christmas ornaments for the boys with our three boys. We had purchased them all ornaments every year of their life that were meaningful to that specific year. And they wanted the one who just got married wanted his box because they were going to have their own Christmas tree the next year. So I was like, mm -hmm. thought, oh, I'll sort all their ornaments. So I was downstairs and then I heard the wind. And so I went upstairs and went outside our front door and it was, it was insane. I couldn't even walk past our garage because the wind mm -hmm. was so strong. So I came inside and it was starting to get smoky, but we didn't really know there was fire happening just below us, not far, maybe a mile from our house, but it was smoky. So I went in and told the two guys giving Zane a vitamin infusion, I think you need to hurry this up. I think there's like a fire or something. And we hadn't gotten a call or anything. So they said, yeah, you're right. Something's going on. And Zane called 911 and they just said, get out right now. Wow. So they. So you had no, there, you, there wasn't a fire already burning that you were aware of. This no. was just the very beginning. It was at the very wow. beginning. But by the time they finished the vitamin infusion, and I had made a couple of piles of things that we thought we might need 
Um, and I put it like our, a box by the front door that had our important papers, like our passports. And we kind of had a go box, you know, that we just right. kept handy. So I put that out. But we were honestly kind of thinking, oh, we'll probably be back tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. our house is up on top of the hill. And there's it's it was a lot of concrete. And we thought, yeah, we might just be gone for the night. So the guys left and we left. And by then the fire was really, it was so smoky. And there was ash just raining down on us and we jumped in the car i think we probably had seven minutes from the time we talked to the time we got in the car so pretty much the clothes on our back and our dog and Mm -hmm. i actually grabbed my ski bag which is kind of funny i don't know why (laughs) i think i knew it was gonna snow i was like well i want my snow clothes (laughs) and i had the skis necessarily but the the coat i do love to ski too um and zane i had his uh, pile for him downstairs but he said the wind is coming so fast. There's no way we just need to leave right now. We can't grab anything else. So we just jumped in the car and drove down the driveway and it was so smoky. You couldn't even really see in front of you. Our driveway's maybe a half mile on a dirt road down to the Marshall road, it's called. And we didn't know if we should go right or left. We're like, I don't really know what's happening. So we decided to go left because we thought it was coming from the West. And so we thought, we'll go left. And so we kind of went around and we wanted to check on another property that we own that we kind of had to get back and come back in towards town a little bit. And we're driving down this road and we could see our house on top of the hill. And Zane was driving and I looked up and I'm like, Zane, our house is on fire. I mean, it's completely oh, in flames. And so we drove to a little parking spot and just cried. We could watch it burn. I mean, we were watching our home burn. So that was so sad and hard. And we called people and... Later, we heard from people because they saw our house burning, they evacuated because they're like, wow, this is real. You know? Right. So, so where did you where did you go? I know that was a crazy thing because we couldn't go to like a shelter because we had COVID. <laughs> so we oh. went to we called some friends in Louisville, which is another like town that's close by Boulder. And they had just had COVID. So we're like, well, we'll go to their house. So we called them. and They said, yeah, come over here. So we got to their house and it was like black getting there. I mean, we have a video of it, but you could hardly see anything. The smoke was so intense and um, the smell and the ash and the dark. And you could see things flying through the air like a blanket. I mean, it was just the winds were 100 miles per hour. People were just kind of trying to figure out what to do. So we got to their house and we thought, you know, it was getting pretty smoky there. But we're like, oh, the fire will never get to the, your house. Don't worry about it. You'll, this'll, it'll never get here. They'll never let it, you know. And then within 10 minutes, we were evacuating them. Mm. So then we dro- we just drove around. It took us five hours. We finally ended up at our son's condo with his girlfriend at the time, the one who's married mm-hmm. now. So we spent the first night with them. And they had gotten a mattress for us. And, um, and that was that's where we ended up. I have a picture of our big chocolate lab. They have two little dogs and he's sitting on their little dog, dog bed, looking so pathetic. Like, is this where we are for the night? And we were, we had black, like ash on our faces. We smelled like smoke. Um, we had black in the, our eyes, like mm-hmm. your corners of your eyes. It was just, it, and I think at that point we were kind of, we were definitely in shock and just going, wow, what just happened? You know, mm-hmm. and it was uh, tra- traumatic for sure. How long was it before you realized that pretty much everything was gone. I mean, did you know it then? Of our house? Mm-hmm. 
Yes, because we saw it on fire. I'm like, right. wow, it is gone. But we didn't know the extent of the fire. Like we were hearing rumors. Zane also, I had my phone, but that's it. We didn't get computers or his phone. So we didn't really know what was going on. And our phone service is kind of in and out. Oh, I'm sure. Um, so we kept hearing rumors like Costco burned down, but it, they actually just evacuated. Or it was just sketchy at the time. We we weren't really sure. We just knew we had to get out of Boulder and try to find a place far enough away because it kept going east. So we ended I remember the story about them evacuating the Costco. That one went a little viral. That was one that was, that was kind of all over yeah. that evacuation of Costco because mm-hmm. you could see the winds and and how powerful they were. And people ran out and they couldn't see. They didn't know where to go. They didn't know which way to go. I mean, we talked to a lot of firemen who were on the scene and the fire was moving so fast. They were really just saving people and stories of people getting stuck. There's a target right by the Costco. And one of our friend's son just didn't even know where to go. And he was running from the flames. And then somebody just, a policeman picked him up, put him in his car. She said, we're just got to get you out of here. I mean, it was just some crazy stories and wow um it was really chaotic actually it was pretty calm when you think about how many people were getting out of town but right it just you know it was amazing how people really did work together and random people picking up people running i mean it was just wow and i know that you have a you have a good community of people around you so yeah. how did that community step in cuz they stepped in pretty quickly to yes. offer you support right yeah, I had called one of my friends, or, you know, we called a few people to kind of spread the word. And I have a group of girlfriends. We're just super tight. We've been friends forever and raised our kids together. And they got together. They all put in money. And then this one couple went to a big store, maybe Jack's or somewhere like that, you know, or Murdoch's, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of store that has everything. And they met us at our son's condo that night and brought dinner. And then they brought us pretty much everything you would need. This makes me teary because it was just, I mean, we had nothing like hairbrush, toothbrush, deodorant, a pair of pants, slippers. They just brought us everything we would need, you know, to get through because even makeup, like a thing of mascara or lotion, I mean, just, they thought of everything and they delivered it all that night. And we're just blown away. You know, that was just sort of the beginning of, um, being the recipient of just extraordinary generosity all around. I mean, we had, we spent the first night with our son and his, his girlfriend. And then another friend of ours had a house in Boulder that they own as a rental. And it's totally furnished. And they offered us to rent that house because our insurance will pay for rent. Mm-hmm. Until while you're after something like this, they'll pay for that kind of living expense. And so we moved into a neighborhood the next day where we raised our boys. So I have t- so many friends around oh. here and we're living next door to, they're some of our best friends and we're. Oh, that must've so been comforting in that, in that moment. To, yeah. I feel so fortunate because a lot of people had to move five or six times and to move into when you have nothing and you move into a rental that's not furnished, you have to buy everything because you don't right. know what your future will be, but you need towels and pots and pans and everything, you know? So we were, I felt like that was a blessing from the Lord. I mean, it was just such a gift to us. And I I feel bad that not everybody 
was able to get that kind of situation because I mean a lot of people have moved a ton or had to buy all this stuff or people gave them stuff and um, we also people organized meals of course but we had COVID so we couldn't really visit with anybody which was so sad (laughs) but we had a big cooler out front and people would drop off food and kind of wave from our window that went on for at least five weeks I don't think I cooked a meal for five weeks and we were just, you know, dealing with all the insurance and going back to the property after the fire was pretty painful. I mean, it looked like a war zone. It was just. How long was it before you could go back to the area? It was, I think, January 4th. So maybe four or five days. Mm-hmm. They kept it closed. The National Guard didn't want people going to their properties. But honestly, our son snuck up there. They hiked up probably to check it out. <laughs> and they are, I think, army crawled, you know, to get past the National Guard and took a video. That's right. We won't, we won't share his name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Because you just want to see it. You're like, is it really gone? Right. And he, he got up there and took a video and it was, it was just mangled metal, black. It was unbelievable. The whole house like caved in on itself and it was just a pile of ash I mean everything melted was there anything at all that you found that you were able to salvage no nothing but okay this is the good story so after on the day that Zane and I got to go back up I have beehives and I had my bees up there so when Jordan our oops my son that snuck <laughs> up there <laughs> I said check the bees check the bees and he walked by and there one was blown over and it was black and the outside, he's like, Mom, there's no way. There's, they're gone. There's no way. I'm like, well, you never know. I mean, bees have survived all thousands of years. So right. maybe. And then when we went up there, the beehives, we were up there looking at them and it was pretty quiet. And so I asked Zane and my other son if they could pick it up, the one that had blown over, and put it back up on this stand. And when they picked it up, the bees started flying around and attacking them. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So both my hives survived the fire, which was a miracle. And for me, that was a moment of hope, a real hope from God. I'm like, wow, I thought they were, everything's gone, but my bees survived and, you know, just gave me God. Our creator is amazing. And it gave me faith and hope in that moment to be like, we're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to be fine. So, well, what do you, I mean, what did you do next? I mean, where do you start yeah. when you, all you have is your bees and your ski bag? I mean, I know. where do you go well, from we did, there? I went skiing. <laughs> well, there you go. I did. I, this was interesting. So we have another little round shed on our property that we kept our bikes and our paddle boards and some of our, our ski equipment. It's kind of our play area where all, everything else was in our house, like all of our everything we own but that round shed didn't burn and so I told Zane I'm like well I think God still wants us to play you know we don't want to get buried in this it's so overwhelming it's unbelievable what you go through to try to record and remember all of your possessions Mm -hmm. I mean I had to call friends was we had to make this intense spreadsheet every item you own so I would call and go okay, can we walk through your kitchen? Because we're kind of similar. I think we'd have about the same. So you know, just ask her questions. How many spatulas do you have? How many dinner plates did you have? How many measuring cups did you have? I mean, that's the kind of detail that we had to put together. So I had this thing feeling that God's just saying, 
we have to do this. It's a bummer. It's hard. Just try to have fun and make some yeah. time to play and get busy and do it. It was hard. So that took hours and hours. And, oh, I can't imagine. Well, yeah. and it's all stuff. And you're, yes. you know, I know you, yes. you're thinking, oh, it's just stuff. It's just mm-hmm. stuff. But it was your stuff yeah, <laughs> and it was all true. of your stuff. And so it's the sentimental yeah. things as well. So, mm-hmm. so I'm sure that process was a difficult one. It is painful. And that was a huge, I think, learning lesson because when you lose all of your possessions, I mean, everything is gone. And it is at first you're like thankful we're alive. We're okay. You are totally reminded that what matters most in life is relationship because it was a lot of stuff and there was stuff with meaning. And that was probably mm-hmm. the hardest part, but and so many Bible verses about like be rich towards God and life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. It's, it's in your relationships. And so we, we did walk through that. It was hard and there are things we can't replace, but again, God did some pretty cool and miraculous things for us. Cause mm-hmm. we were, I was looking at my journal kind of preparing for this story mm-hmm. and um, we had uh, one of the things originally that I thought about was so sad to lose was our wedding album because when we got married, it was, there was no digital. It was all, right. you know, photos. <laughs> and they were gone. I was like, wow, we're, we lost our whole wedding album. And then about a month later, one of Zane's sisters was always a family photographer. She took pictures of everything. And she kind of had a little Insta camera, so it wasn't like high quality. But we found out that she had taken a picture of every page of our wedding album and made a wedding album with like frames with a gold, you know, silver frame with our picture on the front, every single picture of our wedding album. And I was like, God is a restorer. I mean, he can restore anything. So that also was a little step. Of, that was a big step in the right. process. I mean, like God's got it. Now you're like a year and a half almost about from, mm. from that day. What are some of the other things that, that you've learned about yourself about others, about God that you could share with us? I think just complete confidence that he is with us. And it's never this, oh, it's life is going to be so easy, but we are not alone. He's guiding us and he'll, the things that don't matter really don't matter. Another really big lesson is people were so generous. I mean, the whole community, like we go to restaurants, we're providing free dinners. We just go sit down at a restaurant and Stores were giving clothes, you know, uh, new clothes, things like that. And then the generosity of our friends and church and community and blew me away. I cried more often when people would say, I have this for you. And I would, it would just make me cry out of gratefulness. I was like, Mm -hmm. wow, I've never been the recipient of that kind of generosity. And I had started working for mops at this time. And I remember when the, um, Ukraine war broke out and we watched families on the news flee their homes. And I got a glimmer of what they were feeling. I was like, wow, we can go back and we can rebuild. But these families cannot go back to their homes. You know, they don't have insurance. They don't live in America. They don't. We have so much. And so it has motivated me in new ways because of being the recipient of that kindness to do that for other people much more. I mean, I always thought about it, but now I'm like, wow, just do it. Make meals, donate, do time, go. Just, I have found myself overflowing from gratitude and then wanting to 
give to other people in a more abundant way. It's and that God will take care of you, you know, it's like through us, through other people. Sounds like it changes the way you look at your own possessions. Yes. But And the way you look at other people, the way that they rallied around you, and then your opportunity to now do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Tell us where you are now in the story. What what is happening now in this story of loss and rebuilding? Yeah, it's pretty exciting. I mean, I, I feel like we're rebuilding and... Honestly, I went through a little bit of doubt, like, do I want to live back there? Do I want mm-hmm. to go back there? So it took me some time and through a lot of prayer, I feel like God's saying, yes, you're going to build, rebuild your home, go be strong and do it. And God has given this to you, go you just get out there and do it. So we are moving forward with rebuilding. We just poured our foundation, which That's is also great. so significant because we know as believers, you build your house you know, on a firm foundation and that is Christ. And I feel like we're building this house with really open hands. Like God, what do you want to, we want to be open with our home that we're building it on that kind of foundation. It's his, you know, it could be gone again, you know, it could happen again. And then it'd be, you know, it's not ours. So that feels really a lot of freedom and peace. And so actually today, this afternoon, we're going to go look at cabinets. So we're starting to do the you know, re- redesign and get, it's exciting. It's really, it's really fun. That's, I'm super thankful we can do that. So, right. And as a believer for you, there's such, there's such significance in all of these steps, right? Every and, step. It's not yeah. just like pouring the foundation. It's like a reminder that what is our life built on? Right. Yeah. That you've seen God in every step of it. Even, even mm-hmm. at the very beginning when you had, you know, seven minutes to get out of your house. Yeah, you you can look back and see God's protection over you, absolutely, and over your family. Thank you so much for telling your story and sharing the work that God's been doing in your heart, um, and also in your home. And I, I think you've inspired me for sure to look at my earthly possessions a little differently and mm-hmm. reconsider my own level of generosity. I loved how you said we wanted to hold your home open-handedly, build it open-handedly. I think that's a great description for how God wants us to live our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, Is there any last thing that you'd like to say um, to encourage our listeners today? As you mentioned, since I work for the development team, which is, I've been learning more about giving and there's some Barna research that's come out recently about giving and that the people who are generous givers flourish in life. And they show these different aspects of what that means. That's like, you know, with your faith and relationships and work and finance and well-being that people who give, like God already knew when you give, it benefits you too, you know? And I think people who have been recipients of generosity definitely are more generous. And, you know, I don't wish for anyone to go through hard things, but God uses it in our lives to grow us and out of our pain and lessons we've learned, we can encourage each other and give back. So mm-hmm. I love how he does that and just makes everything meaningful. The person that's doing the giving, you know, you're blessing someone else, but mm-hmm. you know, we've heard this over and over and over that you are so much more blessed just yeah. because you're willing to be open-handed with the things that God's provided for you. Yeah. And now I know it's true. Thank you so much for talking to us and for sharing your story with us today. And um, leader and listener, I want to just remind you 
that this is the year that your yes is where it all begins. We will befriend discomfort, we will be easily delighted, and we will be here now, wherever here now is for us, whatever part of our journey we're on. We're going to say yes to starting small and thinking big, yes to passion, and yes to God. Because saying yes opens up new ways of thinking and new opportunities for fun, growth, connection, and generosity. So we will say yes to this moment, these people, this life. Get ready to say yes.